Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode has been sponsored by A Generation You Can. More about our sponsor later on in the show. You're listening to episode 196 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to gain some insight from a running coach. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 196 my name is letty my name is ryan and we are your hosts of the marathon running podcast a weekly podcast on all things running ryan how are you doing today i'm doing well how about you I'm doing okay. So it's a tough week for the running community, huh? It really has been. So as you guys know, last Sunday, we tragically lost the world record holder for the marathon distance, Calvin Kiptum, and his coach, Haki Simana Jibis, in a car accident in Kenya. And that's just really crazy because his world record he had set at the Chicago Marathon last year, it was just ratified last week. He was planning on running a fast spring marathon and potentially break those two hours and... um he was so young. He was 24 years old. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I've heard that traffic in Kenya is really bad and car accidents are pretty common. I have no experience of that, but that's what someone was saying. So Yeah, apparently he drove into a ditch and then they both died. I kind of looked on YouTube and saw the wreckage of the car and it just looked horrible. It's always sad, you know, when somebody dies tragically, but it's also, you know, it's tough because you'll never see how fast he might get or would have gotten if he was already world record holder once he might have improved no absolutely and we've just been discussing on another podcast that we were pre-recording we were talking about his training and how many miles he runs and all that stuff and how much potential he really had so that's that's crazy life is short sometimes it is so you gotta you gotta make the most of it now on a more positive note we have a quick soundbite to play for you guys from a previous podcast guest sophie shunk as you guys remember we interviewed sophie after she qualified for the olympic trial marathon at cim she is a type 1 diabetic runner and went to the trials finished the trials and she had a little bit to say about her experience at the trials that's cool you got her back on yeah that's cool she was actually on vacation in the mountains so it's kind of nice to see that runners take their training very serious and then afterwards they can also vacation and take some time off from running so you want to get into it yes yeah, so i'll play that sound bite now 
All right. So I'm back on with Sophie Shunk, who has been previously on and told us all about her journey to the trials, qualified at CIM and <laughs> ran the trials. So huge congratulations to that again. Um, how are you feeling? It's been a week. Yeah, um, I, it's been an up and down week, I think, as we expect after a marathon, um, the post-marathon blues. Um, but, you know, I, I'm at peace with it. I knew, I think, for the days leading up, it wasn't going to be a race day for me. I had some shin pain going on and just was feeling pretty, unfortunately, overtrained, even though we tried to cut back my mileage and, and whatnot after the other two marathons. Um, but just sometimes it's inevitable and, and you learn. Uh, so I tried to make the most of race day and just go out there. And, and like I wasn't even sure if I could start, but I was like, you know what? I deserve to finish, even if it's not close to what I am capable of running time-wise. And um, ended up being really glad that I did, even though um, it was a hard decision to make. But I met a lot of people along the way and, and other girls with type 1 diabetes reached out to me and people were on the course um, that had diabetes. That was really cool. That's so awesome. I mean, so still just, just, I think, digesting all of that this week. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot because we talked to you last. It was a month ago. It was right after CIM, right after you had qualified. And then I know I had asked you the question, oh, is this going to be a fun run? Because in my head, I'm like, oh, it's a victory lap. <laughs> But nobody that is at your level thinks that way. Everyone is like, oh, hell no, yeah. I'm training for this <laughs> and I'm going in hard. So then you said you bulked up on miles and that's probably where the overtraining happened. You know, I, I think it was just the back-to-back -to -back -to -back marathon cycles because um, I did New York and then CIM. And I actually felt pretty good after CIM for a couple of weeks. And so that's when we talked. And I I was hopeful that I could race. Um, but then I think what happened is is I hit a couple, like another 20-miler. And then it just kind of started. Once you start getting to that point of like the body's going the other direction, it's really hard to stop it. <laughs> um and keep some fitness so I, I tried to keep some fitness as best I could but the body was telling me you, you you've done like 80 mile weeks for four plus months like we're ready to rest <laughs> oh my gosh that's crazy and and when we're saying you know you finished last at the trials but your last is faster than I looked it up. I think the percentage is 97% of runners <laughs> in in the world so what was your finishing time it was 321 right Uh, somewhere around there. I, I stopped looking at my watch because <laughs> I didn't want to get it in my head. That's I think funny. it was 321. <laughs> you know, I, I just knew I, I had to just get through it and enjoy it as best I could and, and embrace the crowds. Meanwhile, as average runners tattoo that number on our <laughs> shoulders and stuff, and here you are. But here's the thing. You finished it, whereas a lot of people who didn't feel it that day dropped out, which, you know, would be the easiest way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone. Obviously, if you're at that level, you know why you're doing what, but it is obviously easier to drop out than to keep pushing. And you keep, you kept pushing, which is super inspiring to us. So maybe tell us a little bit about what made you keep pushing and why did you want to finish that race, knowing that for that race, you weren't in the front. Yeah. Well, I think if, if anyone, like family, friends know me, if I'm going to start something, I'm going to finish it even if unless my legs are like broken or someone takes me off the course um so i think that was my it's always been my mentality and, and this one was a tough one because i knew i would be dead last and that's something hard to swallow when you're not used to that position um but i i really i think it was the the people i saw on the course like 
the girls and the, the individuals and, and the boys that reached out to me with type one that they said they were rooting for me and thought it was so cool that there was a type one in the race and asked like about like the heat affecting my blood sugars. I'm like, no, you know what? We'll find out and I'll report back how it goes. And so just wanting to do it for like bigger than myself. And, and it wasn't my time to race. I think it was my time to, for me to like kind of be humbled by the marathon and just, um, yeah, finish and learn other things. Right. And just enjoy being amongst the best in like a crowd that was insane. I, I know you saw it. <laughs> like, I've never been in anything like it. My family kept asking, did you see us? And I'm like, well, where were you? <laughs> and they were like, where there's the most people. I'm like, no, you don't, you realize how loud it is that you're in the middle of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, and it's crazy too. There was a lot of people wearing the same outfit. I think Traxmas had mm-hmm. 70-ish runners and they were trying to flood the course with tracksmith people. So it's, it was really difficult. Um, I believe I saw you one time, but I wasn't sure. Uh, I screamed your name anyway, but you know, it was drowned out because the crowds were literally 10 people deep. You could not get to the front and it was just amazing. And we had goosebumps all the way and, you know, everything we saw from the things that were obviously visibly for us challenging like the pregnant runner that was out there which was absolutely nuts that and then cool. someone like you you have type one Megan, yeah. <laughs> yeah so talk to us a little bit about how that race went and how it was different for you than what you probably assume would be for somebody who doesn't have type one diabetes yeah so i mean i, I followed everything i learned from sam right and, and then this ended up being a little different because i wasn't going I guess, quote unquote, marathon space for me. So as fast as I had originally planned on. Uh, so the feeling was a little bit different. I actually had to feel more for this because I was out there for longer than I used to. So, and, and I was going a little bit low, like towards the middle because um, with the heat, you're burning more. Um, so you're having to take in more um, carbs usually and then also a lot of hydration. And I also this time didn't have as much of an adrenaline spike I did in the beginning, uh, just with all the hype and antics. But then when I was more or less kind of running, having to run by myself or race by myself, that adrenaline dropped. So I had to balance like the carbs with the adrenaline spike I normally have while racing um, that I didn't get. But the heat does elevate it a bit as well because you get a little bit dehydrated and it's an external stress on the body. How do you monitor that? Do you have a little device in your arm and you can see it on your phone? Or- it's a sensor on my um, arm and it actually displays on my Garmin, um, but it has to go through my phone. So it it's something I'm hoping to partner with Garmin on to like fix. So I do more direct to watch. Um, I did not have my phone on me. So sometimes I am a little bit in the dark, but when I get in enough range, I can see it. It's still not ideal. Um, I even thought about wearing two watches because it will go like direct to Apple Watch. Um, yeah. Okay. So but if you I had an Apple watch that was connected to the internet, then you would be able to have that information. And then accordingly, you know how to slow down and fuel and, and all that. Yeah. Um, so hopefully something I can fix or use in the future, but, um, and all of us runners, I think we, we see the benefits of Garmin over an Apple watch, um, Garmin or others. Yeah. So, okay. So then I don't want to take too much of your time, but reflecting on this experience, what would be your number one takeaway that you can give us average runners on how to, to face those setbacks and obstacles in our own pursuit for running? Um, what can we do to make harder experiences better? 
Yeah, I think you have to embrace the pain. I mean, that's something my friend told me right before. He's like, make it a party. You know, it's going to (laughs) hurt. So you might as well like accept it and not make it any harder than it is. And, and I think just like taking away like the fear of what the worst thing that could happen is going to be. And and how would you feel tomorrow if you didn't get out there and didn't try to finish? I think just pull back on your training. I mean, when you train, like put yourself in hard situations that challenge you, right? And like get through them, even if it's not a place you want, like just make sure you get through it. Because then when that happens in the next day, you're like, oh, I've done, I've been here before. Um, And just kind of like keep saying like a mantra you have to yourself, like, over and over again and and like what happened to me in cim like it, it got better right sometimes it doesn't and then you have to ad- adapt course and maybe change your pace and hopefully not um be able be unable to finish but i think just like having confidence in where you've been and, and what you already overcome helps trick the mind to do it again and race it i love it thank you so much and what's next for you well, I'm on a ski trip currently. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just feeling my shins. I think I'll need a few for probably four to six weeks, no running. Um, probably have a couple of stress reactions that I pushed through, but that's okay. Um, I, it's been so long since I've been injured, so I couldn't be more thankful. But um, so getting through that, I was hoping to do Carlsbad 5000 in April, which is one of my favorite five days. We'll see how I'm recovering. Um, and then after that, I, I think we're leaving it open, but I'd love to see how I actually stack up amongst the pros. So choosing a race to do that, whether it be like the 20K champs or a half marathon, um, maybe even a fall marathon, but but let's say I, don't, I didn't say that yet. <laughs> it'll, it'll all come back to it. Yeah. Maybe in a year and, and hopefully not qualify right before the trials next time around, now that I know I can do it. So. We really appreciate your time Thanks. and we wish you good luck and we look forward to um, staying connected and then following you around for 2028. Thanks. Thanks Thank again. you so much, Sophie. I really appreciate your time. Have a good trip. Thanks. Thank you, Sophie, for sharing your insights with us. It's always great to hear from you and we'll be cheering you on, you know, leading up to 2028. Man, that sounds so far away. It does. So, Letty... You want to move on to the main topic of today? Yeah. So for today, we have a special interview with James McCurdy, the founder of McCurdy Trained. And he has some good insights to marathon training. You know, it's always nice to pick someone's brain that is a coach and runs a run coaching company to see what, what their philosophies are and how they go about it. So yeah, I had a conversation with him after having met him at the Olympic trials. And, and it was pretty cool to talk to him. So you want to get into it? Sure. So without any further ado, we're now going to play our conversation with James McCurdy. All right. So I am here with James McCurdy from McCurdy Trained. Thank you, James, for joining me. Uh, I'm really happy to be here, Letty. Thank you so much for uh, I mean, we, we met officially in, in Orlando, but uh, it's really nice to be on. Yes, yes. And you were, you know, there supporting your athletes. How many athletes did you have running the Olympic trials? Personally, I had seven athletes that were there that I was supporting. Uh, the business itself, we had multiple coaches, including Futsum Zena Salasi, Dot McMahon. Um, we had uh, uh, Ari Hendricks Roach was there as well. Uh, and then we also had a few other coaches who served their own athletes. So I think overall, we helped 15 or 16 athletes at the trials uh, who, who who competed. 
That's awesome. That's a that's a big number given that there was so few athletes, the fastest of the country. So that's cool. So with that, I guess I want to know, can you tell me a little bit about your business, McCurdy Trained? When did you found it? How did that happen? And who are your clients? Yeah, yeah, be happy to. Um, you know, the business itself, it started a little over eight years ago. Uh, I was I was unemployed. I was actually fired from a job because I essentially had a nervous breakdown. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I was, I was, um, I was, I was looking for for work, but I didn't want to go back into the personal training side of things. I, I really wanted to to find my way into coaching, and it just it it wasn't it wasn't presenting itself to work for other other businesses. I was even declined jobs, saying that I just I just didn't have the uh, the the background in it. Um, so I, I still needed to make money. I still needed to pay bills. So I, I just asked some local athletes, Hey, can I help you with your 5k? Can I help you with your 10k or your half marathon? And it started with just me and, and 10 athletes. And inside of that, we grew quickly. Actually, the, the first coach I hired took over my job. Um, and, and unfortunately she was treated kind of the same way that I was. And she, she ended up deciding to leave that position and start her own coaching service. And I said, Michelle, like, why, why would we, you know, try to poach each other's athletes? Why don't we work together and develop something together? We live in the same town. We can, we can create something. And now, you know, we have 33 or 34 coaches around the country and, We service athletes of all abilities, uh, from six hours, six and a half hour marathoners, run walkers in the 5K. One of my athletes is actually uh, 64. He's just coming back from prostate cancer. And we started with a run walk and he's getting ready for the Boston Marathon. So we have a long way to go. We have nine weeks left. And uh, the mission is to finish that that race and cross that line uh, happy and healthy. Um, and we also work with athletes, uh, that are budding, uh, Olympians. You know, we have one athlete who, who's in the Olympics, uh, in the marathon, uh, representing the nation of, uh, Lesotho, the kingdom of Lesotho. And, uh, we have athletes that are here in the U S that are trying to make team USA. And unfortunately we didn't have any Olympians out of, out of the Olympic trials. We did have a seventh place finish with Nathan Martin. Um, but yeah, we're just, you know, we're, we're, We're not a one-size-fits-all coaching service, but we are a service that tries to individualize training for the athletes in our care. I love it. I love it. Um, And I love that you're serving everyone. And I guess that kind of brings us on common ground here because most people that run, we do run for fun. But ultimately, a question in our head that always raises is how do we get faster? So I want to hop yeah. into that topic with you today, Um, just catering towards half and full marathons. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we have to recognize where an athlete's coming from. I just had this conversation with a potential uh, athlete of ours uh, who may or may not come on board. She'll take the day to think about it. Uh, you know, she is a CrossFit uh, connoisseur, if you will. She does CrossFit four or five days a week, but she wants to run the marathon. And and she wants to not just run the marathon. She wants to qualify for Boston. And this is where individualization comes into play. You know, we 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 work with athletes that 
And I think every coach out there will work with athletes that all they all have different ceilings. We just don't know what that ceiling is. And I think any coach who says they know exactly how fast somebody is going to be or where their potential is, honestly, I, I don't I don't know what your your listener base is. Hopefully there's not too much uh, too many children listening. But if a coach is saying that, yeah, no, we're, we're definitely going to get you there. I think they're full of shit. Um, no, we're humans. We're not robots. And we don't know the athlete's potential. We don't know exactly where things are going to lead. You know, one of our athletes literally just chopped off two hours and 12 minutes in her marathon under the guidance of coach Kevin Kosky. And, uh, which is really cool. She went from five hours, 44 minutes down to three hours and 32 minutes, uh, over the course of nine months. Now the difference is, is it's it's not that uh, Kevin was like this magician with training, is that he changed this athlete's mindset of completion into performance. And I think that's one thing that uh, that we try to focus on is understanding what an athlete's trying to get out of their their results. Are they trying to complete something, or are they trying to perform at something? And performance goals can be can be short-term and of course they can be long-term. We might have to take a look a little differently at what their history is, at what their current athleticism is um, and what their background is uh, and what we need to focus on over the course of three months, six months, a year or two years. Um, So we don't really have a, a formula for every single person. It's not a, you know, there's no McCurdy trained method to this. We serve over a thousand athletes currently around the world and each one of them is getting an individualized concept so to answer the question of well what's the breakdown of speed work to easy running i think the bigger question is that we try to focus on and try to answer is are you rested and ready to be able to handle the next quality or speed session uh with appropriate tenacity and, and appropriate care because if you're not ready for it if you're not rested if you're if you're feeling a little fatigued then we have to adjust training a little bit or uh, adjust the expectations of what training looks like for that individual yeah no i i like that you're saying that and i like that specifically because obviously your athletes can come in all ages and um you know paths of ways you have people that probably had children and the children keep them up at night so they're asleep while they have a schedule to train is different. Yeah, actually one of my athletes, Brian, I've been with him for a few years now. He lives out in New York City. And when I first started with him, uh, his wife was pregnant and they were about to have their second. And he got ready for a half marathon. And he said, you know what? I really want to run a marathon this spring. I said, dude, you're just about to be a parent of two. And your sleep and your work and all these things are going to need to adjust. And this, this isn't a life that you really understand yet. So why don't we... Why don't we be patient? Why don't we try to just understand what your life is going to look like for, uh, as as this new uh, this new adjustment uh, comes into play, and then we can focus on a fall marathon. And he was a little hesitant about that because he was very regimented. He he had this mindset of I just need to do this, but as soon as number two came along sleep left <laughs> and there was no way that training for a marathon with the, the the little sleep that he was getting and the the responsibilities he had at work was ever going to make sense for him so i'm glad that we pulled back that, that we we paid attention to that detail for him because it, it ultimately helped him uh not overtrain not overwork and allowed him to become serious for that goal 
of the marathon later in the year than maybe he wanted, but he ultimately qualified for Boston in the Philadelphia Marathon, and he'll be lining up for the first time in Boston this spring. And uh, it's been a journey to get there, but it's really cool to kind of see that come full circle for him. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And um, yeah, so so with all that, though, if you have your athletes, you've been coaching them for a while, what are your thoughts on the whole 80-20 method? Oh yeah. So, so Matt Fitzgerald is actually a really close friend of mine. He actually, he lives, uh, he lives in the next, uh, the next neighborhood over. He's got this amazing run camp opportunity. Uh, it's called the dream run camp. And, and for anyone who's looking to come out to Flagstaff where we live and, and spend time in a beautiful, uh, area of the country to train, it's challenging for sure, but it is beautiful. Um, Matt Fitzgerald has this wonderful opportunity where you can rent a room or or a few rooms for friends uh, out of his home. It's actually a home designed for, for training camps. And I've had a few athletes come out and stay and be here for a week or two, or even most recently I had, a, had an athlete who was able to work from home, spend a, a whole month here in Flagstaff or train with us, uh, which was, which was a true blessing. So I understand Matt Fitzgerald's training concepts and philosophies. And the, the main crux of it is recovery. Uh, don't work too hard so that you can actually receive the benefits in the science of training uh even even from uh from the physiologist uh dr jack daniels says that you know the vast majority of our development of mitochondria not to get too sciencey but mitochondrial development is stemming from easy running and that's going to be anywhere from 60 to 70 percent of your of your aerobic capacity so it's not really hard uh hard training at all you can do a, and develop a lot of fitness off of 60 to 70 percent of your aerobic capacity which generally means if you're looking at zones zone one two and maybe maybe encroaching zone three depending on, on how you're looking at training and what charts you're looking at but really what it comes down to is spend most of the time running easy where you can have a conversation where you can fully uh, uh be involved in the in the community of people around you on your runs where you are not finishing every run where your hands on knees that's not going to get you well there's no added benefit and there's a whole lot more risk to that uh and then the other 20 percent is is challenging yourself in appropriate levels of of intensity it shouldn't all be really really hard mile speed work where you are hands on knees gasping for every ounce of oxygen that you can find uh we i think we can all come to the conclusion that that's probably not the best for 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 the vast majority of runners out there and the vast majority of people out there, we want running to be enjoyable, but we also want to reduce the risk of injury. Um, you know, David Roach, I think David and Megan Roach have a podcast and they, it, I'm pretty sure it was them who said, you know, we all agree that we can almost all agree that 80, 85% of the running should be easy. It's just, what does the other 15 to 20% of training look like? And that's where the variance can be. Um, you know, athletes who are running only three days a week, Maybe the 80-20 rule doesn't really apply to them because they're getting so much recovery, but certainly the athletes that are running 90, 100, 120 miles a week at a, at a professional level, 80-20 might not work for them either. They might actually find that it's more 85-15 or 90-10, um, and that's how much time they're actually spending on easy running. 
Um, so everybody's a little bit different, but I think in some in some ways that the overall concept I would absolutely agree with is spend the vast majority of your time at a casual conversational pace of running because that's where you're going to get the most benefit aerobically anyway. Yes, yes, I agree with you. And I've actually taken this concept concept to heart so much that my garment is now telling me I would really benefit from some anaerobic work. What are your thoughts on doing what and when we have fart legs, tempo, steady runs, threshold runs, um, at what, uh, proximity to the upcoming marathon. Say you have a marathon yeah, eight weeks away, four yeah. weeks away. What are your thoughts on that? That's a really good question. Um, and a really good, good idea to, to kind of dive into, um, you know, there's a lot of plans out there, uh, that are pre-made presupposed. And what I like to tell, uh, potential athletes that we're going to work with is we don't plan our training uh, that far in advance. We're not going to say, okay, here's 16 weeks of training. Good luck. Have fun. It's the way we operate is one or two weeks at a time. We like to work backwards from the goal. So if we know that a marathon is is in, uh, is in October and someone's signing up right now, okay, we generally know when the most marathon specific work is going to be right? We're not going to be marathon specific for the entirety of someone's onboarding, right? That's just too much. But um, so we can work on areas of fitness that an athlete hasn't worked on. Uh, so we can have a better understanding of, of how that is transpiring uh, and how their development is taking place. So generally, our marathon segments can be anywhere from six and a half to 11 weeks in length, depending on the athlete and what they need. And then from there, uh, as we're working backwards, what does the prior six to eight weeks need to look like? Right? What are we working on in that segment? And then working backwards even further, what does the six to eight weeks need to be uh, leading into that concept? So we're always kind of trying to conceptualize and periodize the training. So we're working on different aspects of fitness. Maybe we're working on 5K and 10K ability uh, for six to eight weeks. Maybe then we're working on uh, the ability to run um, their half marathon a little bit more efficiently and working on developing their overall mileage to, to then be able to handle the marathon segment a little bit easier. Uh, but what if somebody's already running 80 miles a week uh, and training for 5Ks and 10Ks? Well, we don't maybe they and maybe they don't they don't have the capacity to run even more. Well, we can still work on 5K and 10K work, but it the transition to marathon specific work or half marathon specific work can look a little different because we don't we not, we're not necessarily adding mileage. We're just changing the the speed, volume, and intensity of what they are doing. And maybe that's foreign to them. I have an athlete right now who's going to make his marathon debut in Boston. He's a professional runner, right? And he's not used to running 100-mile, 110-mile weeks. Now, that's very, very common, if not below average, for professional male marathoners. And Yamani Hale Al-Salasi is going to be deb debuting. He's a very talented runner. He was fifth in the Olympics uh, in Tokyo in the steeplechase. He was seventh at the World Championships in in, uh, in Eugene in the steeplechase. And he's run a few 10Ks and a few half marathons very, very well, but he's done it on limited mileage. So my concept with this level of runner is I'm not going to all of a sudden jack up his mileage. I'm just going to introduce a little bit more running than he's used to and increase uh, the easy running 
and slowly develop him to handle the marathon specific work work which we have just started uh, i'm going to extend his marathon segment out just a little bit so it's not a complete shock to the system so we can have a little bit more time on feet um, versus some of my other athletes who are far more experienced in a marathon albeit slower their segments might actually be a little bit a uh, little bit less because they have so much experience so we can benefit on doing a little bit more speed work uh for a little bit longer and their marathon segment might only be eight weeks long um relative to yamani who's starting around 11 weeks and that's a significant difference um so for those athletes who have a lot more experience I'm focusing on a little bit more raw power, a little bit more uh, speed endurance, uh, like 10K type of work for a little bit more time to work on that missing link for them so that when we get into the marathon specificity, because of their history and because of their background, we don't necessarily need to take the same amount of time that we might have taken before because it's already in their system. It, it, they've already been doing it. Um, I've got an athlete, Tabelo Ramakangoana from from Lesotho, who, who is the Olympian. This marathon that he's going to run coming up uh, next weekend in Osaka, this specific segment was only seven weeks long. And that that's including the taper. Uh, but we didn't need to work incredibly hard on the marathon work because he had run Budapest and he had run uh, a marathon in March. So he essentially had three marathon segments inside of 12 months, they didn't need to be massive. He are, It's not like it went away. So everybody's background is a little bit different. And, and sometimes, sometimes an athlete who has that experience, uh, regardless of the level of ability can, can get away with a shorter segment for a marathon or even a half marathon. And they can allow for more focus on other areas of fitness, like a 5k or a 10k or something, um, something that's a little bit different just because they already have that background. Does that kind of go to where, uh, or answer the question? It does. Yeah, it does. At this time, we want to thank our sponsor. You can, are you tired of a spike and crash and GI distress that comes with the sugar-based sports nutrition? It's time to give you can a try. You can uses steady release carbs instead of sugars. So you don't feel the highs and the lows in energy. You can powders, gels, and bars are powered by Life Steady, a patent starch-based carbohydrate that was originally developed as a medical food to help children maintain stable blood sugar throughout the night. It's backed by science and truly unique in energy source. Clinically proven to help blood sugar stable during exercise. Live Steady supports sustained performance and optimal energy levels. I've tried UCAN now for the past couple of months and I've been happy with my long runs and how I feel. Also, they don't taste bad and after mile 15, I can still stomach them. Top marathon runners in the US, including Emily Sisson, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates and Chiara D'Amato all use UCAN for fuelings. So why shouldn't you give them a try? Especially because marathon running podcast listeners have a chance to try four gels for free. All you pay for is the cost of shipping. So head over to youcan.co forward slash MRP, which by the way, stands for marathon running podcast to claim this offer and get your free samples. If you are already using UCAN and you want that 20% discount, you can just go to youcan.co and save those 20% with code MRP. We're also having all this linked in our show notes. And now back to the show. 
for our listeners that uh, would like to know, you know, what specific workouts would work best towards the marathons, you know, how would you tell them to go about incorporating speed work? You know, the long run on training plans a lot of times is 20 to 22 miles. Just your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So that question, again, this is this is where coaching matters uh, in my belief. Um, because everybody is so different, you know, how somebody goes into a marathon segment as a nurse who's working three or four, 12 hour shifts on their feet, uh, is very different than how so, at the same level of fitness than how somebody else who is possibly, uh, an administrative assistant or, or an accountant where they're sitting, uh, or if they are sitting, uh, down for eight to 10 hours a day, uh, what is happening in their bodies throughout most of the day affects what training can look like or should look like. Um, so to answer that question, uh, we have to kind of take a look at different circumstances. So what I would say is this, um, the, I, uh, the biggest sand trap that I find are athletes of, of all ability focusing too much time or worrying, having anxiety about how long their longest run is. Uh, they need, uh, and I think this is probably because of media and, and, and old books and uh, preconceived notions of what training should look like. You know, we, we, we have this idea that we need to have a certain amount of 20 mile long runs in our bodies so that we can do the marathon itself and, uh, or even closer to 22 or 24 mile long runs. But, you know, the slower you get and the slower an athlete is, the longer they are going to be on their feet. And that could be pretty devastating and damaging on their body. You know, they might run their marathon uh or leave their marathon in their training three four five weeks out of the marathon and by the time they get to the marathon you know they've already done three or four or maybe six or seven four and a half hour long runs and they're going to be on their feet for five hours they might be toast by the time the marathon actually happens as, so i i would say as a rule of thumb in our world The vast majority of our athletes of all ability are going to run, I would say, no longer than two hours and 45 minutes. Every once in a while, we might see a three-hour run, but it's rare. It is incredibly rare to have an athlete run longer than three hours in our uh, coaching concepts. And yet we find amazing success of athletes of all ability. Um, that athlete that I was speaking about earlier who went from 544 down to 332, I don't think she ran longer than two hours and 25 minutes in her training at all. Um, and yet she was able to find a new level of fitness by focusing on 10K specific intensity work as well as developing endurance and marathon specific work. Um, so I, I would recommend that an athlete be mindful of how long they are on their feet and not worry so much about how many miles they have run. Uh, we've had, I've personally had athletes break three hours in their marathon, run two hours and 34 minutes in their marathon without even touching over 19 miles in their training. And for them, that was, that was two hours of running. Mike Purley is actually an example. Uh, he's an athlete that lives out in, uh, in Utah. Uh, he, he broke three hours for the very first time and not a single run was longer than one hour and 59 minutes. And that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, you know, we, we, we harp on the long run so much when it comes to marathon 
marathon training, and I think it's the wrong idea. You know, if I were to give you an example of of uh, somebody who who's never run before, but is going to run two miles a day, five or six days a week for a month, do you think, Letty, that that individual can run a 10k at the end, nonstop at the end of that month? I mean, now I'm throwing your own question back at you, right? Performance based or finishing? <laughs> I think yep. you know yep. you can finish it, but um, can they do well yeah. in you it? You can finish it, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, you can you can finish it, right? So we okay, two miles a day, five six days a week, they can finish their 10k. But here's a stat for you: Camille Harone, who has the 100 mile world record male or female um on the track i believe or on flat ground i don't think she runs anything over 20 or 22 miles in any single long run isn't that insane it's not like she's going out there and running 35 40 mile long runs or 50 mile long runs to prove to herself that she can cover the 100 mile distance She's not doing the back-to-back long runs every single weekend. She's just focusing on being healthy, as healthy as she can be, being consistent, as consistent as she can be. And she gets away with about 20 to 25% of, of the, the total distance of her long run inside of a single run, um, uh, uh, equaling 20, 25% of the, the total distance that she's going to race. So and and that's for performance, not just for completion. Like that's the world record holder. So why, why on earth are we as marathoners in um in an amateur world? Why are we so focused on being on our feet for three and a half, four hours? Why is that like, or even four and a half? Like why are we so pent up about needing to run these massive long runs that are so debilitating? where we it takes us five or six days just to recover from that run right like i don't of all the professional runners that i coach i don't have a single one of them going out and spending three and a half hours on their feet in their training and they are running 100 110 120 miles a week some of them are running a little bit less than that but these are some of the best athletes in the world and i would never give them three three and a half four hour long runs uh for training for the marathon and yet we're often seeing that the advice for the amateur runner for the three and a half four four and a half five hour marathoner is that they need to get 22 and 23 mile long runs done like there's they're spending three and a half four four and a half hours on their feet week in and week out and yet professional runners aren't spending that amount of time on their feet. It to me, that's lunacy. That doesn't make any sense. It's fine, I think, for completion, but even that, it is it really like? Isn't there an inherent risk of injury that when someone's running thirty miles a week or forty miles a week, and they're going out and running uh, four and a half hours on their feet week in and week out, like? Maybe it's okay for the lungs, but are their muscles and their tendons really able to handle that load? And is it like, I don't know. To me, it, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I would encourage reevaluating why we have such an attachment to this long run and why this seems to be so important for everybody. Uh, and maybe consider 
running a little bit more often on an easy day uh, or a little bit more often throughout the week if it's available to them and not worrying so much about one single aspect of of their of their focus of training. Yes, 100%. I think you nailed that answer. And obviously, this is not really a good idea. Can you maybe talk to us also about some things listeners can do, maybe a little bit of self-assessment to identify what their personal strengths are so they can find the areas in their running that they can improve on? Yeah, I think what they, I think we don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, again, this kind of goes back to the Jack Daniels concepts and systems. Uh, Jack Daniels has uh, developed uh, over 50 or 60 years the V dot system, where uh, it kind of measures, you know, equatability. If somebody's 5K is a certain speed, what then is equal in their 10K? or their half marathon or marathon. Um, does somebody have a really good marathon uh, relative to their 5K ability? Or does somebody have a really good 5K, but their marathon isn't as equal? And there and there's charts, you can look it up online. There's charts, you can, you can take a look at v.02.com uh, where you can kind of see where you lie on that. So say you're a 20 minute 5K runner or a 21 minute 5K runner, but, and I don't mean to say the word only, but equatability, you're only running a four-hour marathon, well, that that probably says that you have a lot more power than you have endurance. And that will, that can help maybe help guide what training can and maybe should look like for the next six months to a year. How do you develop more endurance? Or maybe, maybe you're an incredible marathoner. You're running a 320 or a 330 marathon, but your 5K is only a few seconds a mile better than what your your marathon or even your half marathon is. Well, maybe that tells you that you have great endurance, but you you are lacking a lot of power. And if you can find a way to increase your power and raise that ability, well, maybe that's how you're going to see a massive jump in your ability in the marathon. So I, I think that is one way of looking at it. And that, that's, a, that's, that's a way that we look at it uh, from a coaching system. Uh, if somebody is really lacking in an area of fitness, we want to attack those, those missing links and focus on, uh, on the development of those things so that when it comes time to, uh, to put the training towards what that athlete is looking for, whether it be a 5k or 10k, or whether it be a half marathon or marathon, we've worked on the missing links of that of that athlete to help them realize hopefully more of their potential in those areas. And I think that's one of the reasons why we see such major jumps uh, in many of the athletes that we work with is because we we've we've worked on some of those missing links. Perfect. All right. So let me let me ask you the next question that I have for you, which is super, super important. And um, to give you a little background, I always do a lot of research. Is mental training something that you do with your athletes? And if so, in what capacity do you have some kind of, you know, something that goes with the weekly mileage building where people can mentally prepare themselves for races such as marathons and half marathons? That's a really good question. Um, you know, we live in a world, you know, social media is wonderful, but it's awful at the same time. And we live in a world of comparison and and wanting to to have what what we don't um and maybe sometimes too what 
what we feel is an expectation. Oh, if I don't do this, I'm letting other people down, or I need to be a certain way or look a certain way or run a certain time. And, and we, we impose these on ourselves. And I, I, I'm not saying I'm not immune to it. I, I felt this as recently as this past week. Like, I, you know, I, I, I live in a career where, uh, you know, the quote unquote, the better I look as a coach, the, the, the better off that, that, um, you know, my career is going to go. But ultimately what it comes down to is i I believe it's, it's really having, um, it's having a really good support system of people who truly care about you. You know, one of, I said this to Mason Frank, one of the athletes that I serve who, who was at the Olympic trials. I was so proud of him because he lined up at the Olympic trials, knowing he wasn't going to finish. And he showed up anyway, not for any other reason than he deserved to be on that line because he qualified. And it was important for him to be there and, and get that experience. And it wasn't what he wanted, but he also stepped off of the line, not risking his injury. He was healthy enough to run 10 to 13 miles, uh, but he was not healthy enough to run 26.2. And he had self-realization and self-acknowledgement that this is what he needed to do to have a good day. And it wasn't what we wanted for him over the course of the segment, but that's what that's what he needed to do. And I was just so proud of him for being willing to go there and be amongst the, the nation's best and some of the world's best and still have the wherewithal to run within himself and to not force something and to step off the line uh, recognizing that this was not the be-all, end-all. And it didn't matter what anybody said. It didn't matter what anybody was going to say. He was there for himself. And it was it was beautiful. And I'm, I'm just so proud of, of him, as equally as of Nathan, who finished seventh. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean... That that's my thought on it. I, I don't think I'm, I, I think there's 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 a there's a time and place for sports psychology and, and working with somebody. But I think the the, the deciding factor on that is probably a, having a lack of self-recognition of where somebody is. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. James, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me. Um, are you going to be in Boston as well? I will. Yeah. So man, Boston for us, is a special time. You know, we have athletes that are in the charity section. We have athletes that have uh, specific physical needs and then are in the adaptive athlete program. We have athletes that have qualified and are 70 plus. We have athletes that are trying to break three and we have athletes in the, I think we have eight or nine athletes in the pro field this year um, of all different backgrounds and, and ethnicities. So I'm really excited to be in Boston. I, uh, I don't know how many athletes we have running last year. I think we had right around 200 uh, across the McCurdy trained uh, team. Uh, but this year, I'm not sure what our numbers are this year, but we're going to be hosting a shakeout for sure. That's a really special moment for us to, to be with, uh, to be with our people. Um, so I'll arrive. Um, actually, oddly enough, I, I don't get home much. I'm born and raised in Connecticut. And uh, I just found out I was nominated uh, and I have been accepted into my high school Hall of Fame, which might not sound like a really big deal for a lot of people, but it means it really honestly means the world to me um, to be in, uh, inducted into the high school Hall of Fame. So I will be arriving into Connecticut a few um, a few days ahead of planned schedule. Uh, so like the basically the weekend before and I'll be staying with my parents uh, or at least uh, be in the general vicinity uh, spending a little bit of time with them and some friends and family that still live in the area. And then I'll make my way up to Boston 
Um, so I just found that, that out just the other day, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, so it'll be good to be back home for a little while in the streets of Woodbury, Connecticut. Um, and then uh, and then I'll make my way up to Boston probably that Wednesday before. Perfect. We hope to see you there. Keep in touch. And again, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me. Thank Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, you know, I, um, I love talking about running. I love talking about coaching. And uh, I hope, you know, if anybody uh, wants to reach out, they're more than welcome to reach out. Shoot me an email, um, james at mccurdytrain.com. I'd be happy to 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 hear from you and, 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 and listen to you. And, and if I can answer any questions, I'd be happy to do so. Perfect. And we'll link all that in our show notes. James, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Letty. Thank you, James, for speaking with us. It was a great time reconnecting with you. And thank you for sharing your views and, uh, you know, your information that you had. It was very, very great. It was always great to get somebody's insight onto training and, and their philosophy with, with all that. I mean, I think everyone's going to gravitate towards a different method. And so by having multiple different opinions, they can find what they like. Exactly right. So that wraps up this week's episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode where the topic will be comebacks from setbacks, which is kind of cool. Yes, comebacks from setbacks. So for that episode, we will talk to a running coach who had some setbacks and has made some comebacks and has some great tips. And if, 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 if it all works out... We will try to have this episode also available in Spanish because she's originally from Venezuela. I am Ecuadorian. So we're going to take a stab at re-recording this episode, re-recording this episode also in Espanol. And if that happens, then that'll drop the Friday after the Monday where it airs. So obviously you got to subscribe because then you'll get an email or, you know, a pop-up on your screen that says this episode está disponible. <laughs> And you're going to make me try to speak Spanish, and that's going to be difficult. Yes, that'll be the next perk. Here, listen to Ryan speak Spanish in the intro. With an American accent. <laughs> well, I won't make you talk too much. But. I hope not. <laughs> anyway, so that's it for today. Like we said, stay tuned for next week's episode. And with that, have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week. Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag, the go-to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated, Run Swag's got you covered. Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Run Swag, there's something for every runner.